God bless you and welcome to the Solution Radio Show. Thank you for joining me today. Jesus Christ, He is the solution for all the situations you and I might find ourselves in. He is God's solution for all mankind for all time. He stated in the Gospel of John chapter 14 verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. He is the way, He is the truth, and He is the life. Jesus Christ, He is the one who makes a difference. He made a difference in people's lives 2,000 years ago when He lived and walked among people, and He makes a difference today because He was raised from the dead and He is seated at God's right hand in the heavenlies. I trust that Christ Jesus makes a difference in your life today, that you see the tremendous love that God has for you, that you come to have a deeper and more full relationship with God as your Heavenly Father, that you see your purpose in life is far above the day-to-day circumstances of life. God's love for you, it knows no bounds. We have a very exciting program today. We'll hear some wonderful music, read some of the Bible together regarding do we obey God or men, and we have a wonderful testimony by one of our listeners through the praise line. Let's start off with some music. One day when heaven was filled with his praises, one day when sin was as black as could be, Jesus came forth to be born of a virgin, dwelt among men, my example is he. The word became flesh and the light shined among us, his glory revealed, living he loved me, dying he saved me, buried Oh, 
Buried He carried my sins far away. Rising He justified. Are we to obey God or men? We are at a crossroads in our day and time. Christians in the United States of America today are coming under religious persecution for their beliefs and for their love for God. You know, we've always thought that persecution was somewhere over there. Well, the day has arrived that it is here. Much of the Christian church in the United States has been numbed to complacency because of our affluence and our lifestyle of comfort. We haven't seen the need to stand up for truth because it's so much easier to just watch Sunday football and vote for our favorite American idol. Charles Pope listed various steps to religious persecution. I'd like to just briefly touch on those. Number one, the first step to persecution is to stereotype the group persecuted. If you did a poll among non-Christians, you'd find that they think Christians are unloving, judgmental, intolerant, and backward in their thinking. This is the stereotype often depicted by the media and Hollywood. That is the stereotype promoted by Satan. The second step, or the next stage of persecution, will justify the hatred and the dislike of those being persecuted. If you were to look at social media and various blogs, you'll notice that they're ablaze at times with ridicule and hatred for those that name the name of Jesus Christ and speak God's word regarding social issues. Pope lists the third stage, as it leading to the marginalization of Christians in society. You know, recently a cable newscaster suggested Christians, particularly conservative evangelical Christians, have no place in American politics. He tweeted, If you're a politician and believe in God first, that's all good. Just don't run for government office. Run for church office. That type of statement certainly leads to the marginalization of Christians in society. And then what does it lead to next? It leads to the criminalization of thought and speech, eventually leading to jail time and death. Some in the church say, well, that can't happen here. Well, let me tell you, it's happening. The bottom line regarding the ridicule and the persecution of Bible-believing Christians is that we are in a spiritual battle. There are evil spirits that direct those that desire to silence the truth of God's Word. It doesn't matter how clean the opposition looks on the outside. There is decay and rottenness on the inside. Today, I'd like to concentrate on who are the higher powers of Romans 13? 
Is it the secular government leaders, as is so often taught by the Christian church and promoted by the secular world, or is it some other group or entity? Often, Romans 13 is used to justify that Christians are to obey men above God. In order to clearly identify the higher powers of Romans 13, we're going to allow the scriptures to speak for themselves. As we look at God's word in the context, we will see the true identity of the higher powers of Romans 13. Let's start in verse 1 of that chapter. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. What I'd first like to do is look at what various theologians and commentaries have erroneously put forth as their answer to the question, who are the higher powers of Romans 13? Worsby's expository outlines on the New Testament states, the higher powers in verse 1 are the rulers of government, even though they may not be Christians. Their functions are not to overlap. When they do, there is confusion and trouble. The teacher's commentary states, Paul taught that God had instituted human government as a restraining power, an agent of justice to bring punishment to wrongdoers. Christians are to recognize that the state, the human government, has been ordained by God and are to respect it as a divinely intended institution. Let's see what the New Bible Commentary states about Romans chapter 13. The authorities clearly denote persons in positions of authority in secular government. To submit to these authorities means to recognize their place over the believer in the order that exists in the world. This order includes both secular institutions that lack God's sanction and institutions ordained by God for the good of his people. Therefore, Christians like everyone else are to do what the governing authorities tell us to do. Wilmington's commentary states, Believers should obey civil laws for human government has been established by God to help maintain social order. Lastly, let's look at the Good News translation. Verse 1 says, Everyone must obey the state authorities, because no authority exists without God's permission, and the existing authorities have been put there by God. In light of that translation, in light of those commentaries that we just read, should we believe that God placed an authority, a Hitler or a Stalin, a Mao or a Saddam Hussein, you know, those were some of the most evil men in modern history. Look at some of the government leaders in the world today. Do you honestly believe that a loving God has placed those types of men and women in their current positions of power to rule over God's people? When we look at Romans chapter 13, verse 1, in its immediate context, we quickly recognize that the higher powers cannot be referring to those in positions of civil or state government. Let's look at what verse 4 states. For he, the higher power, is the minister of God to thee for good. 
If Hitler, Stalin, or many of today's leaders are ministers of God to the citizens of their countries for good, then we've got a huge problem. Just common sense, with no spiritual insight or understanding, would tell us that those types of men could not possibly be ministers of the one true God for good. What does it mean to be a minister of God? It's important that we understand what a minister of God is because it states that the higher powers of Romans 13 are ministers of God to us for good. We can look at the scriptures to see what a minister of God does and how a minister of God behaves. Let's look at one example in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 8. It says, Likewise must the deacons, or the ministers of God, be grave, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy, of filthy lucre. Here in Timothy, this describes a minister of God. This one verse alone excludes almost all government leaders from being a minister of God. The word grave, it means to be dignified or respectable. Double-tongued is to say something with the intent to deceive. Ministers of God are not to say something with the intent to deceive. One who is given to much wine, well, that would be a heavy drinker. And not greedy of filthy lucre is to not be eager for money or dishonorable gain. Today, we consistently see politicians indicted because of their dishonesty and their desire for dishonorable gain. Politicians consistently speak what is expedient for the moment. Their conversation, it is often laced with half-truth and many times outright lies. In that one verse of Scripture is just part of the standard of what is required to be a minister of God. The higher powers of Romans 13 are ministers of God. Can anyone honestly believe, after seeing the clarity of Scripture here, that the likes of the leaders within the governments of the world today, or the Roman Empire of the first century, that they are the higher powers of Romans 13? In today's accepted teaching, cited previously from respected theologians and commentaries, we clearly see a wrong dividing of the Word of God. We see error regarding the understanding of who the higher powers are in Romans chapter 13. This wrong understanding of God's Word has cost some people their life, and in the future it will again cost people their lives. In the book of Acts, there is a wonderful example of Peter and John confronting the rulers of the people and the elders of Israel. Acts chapter 4, we'll start in verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone, verse 11, which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Verse 12, Neither is there salvation in any other, 
For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It is in the name of Jesus Christ that men and women are healed. It is in the name of Jesus Christ that men and women are saved and receive eternal life. There is no other name given among men under heaven whereby men might be saved. Buddha doesn't save anybody. Muhammad doesn't save anybody. Krishna doesn't save anybody. No person can save themselves. It's the name of Jesus Christ, God's substitute for mankind, God's solution for mankind in order to be able to receive eternal life. Let's continue here in chapter 4, verse 13. Now when they, the rulers and the elders, saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. In the sense of being unlearned and ignorant here, that means that they just didn't have the right, proper, worldly theological training. They marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Verse 14, And beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For that indeed a notable miracle has been done by them, is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But that it spread no further among the people, let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in the name of Jesus. And they called them and they commanded them not to speak, verse 18, at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and they said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. What a tremendous stand by Peter and John. What spiritual motivation would say that you cannot use the name of Jesus Christ? What spiritual entity would demand that you not pray publicly in the name of Jesus Christ? There's only one. It's God's archenemy, the devil, who in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, it states that he is the God of this world. Let's not confuse the issue and think that it's judge so-and-so or school board so-and-so or employer so-and-so. The judges, the school boards, the employers that endeavor to silence those from speaking God's word in the name of Jesus Christ, they are not big enough on their own to make that demand. They are deceived, they are manipulated, and they are used by the God of this world, Satan. Here in Acts chapter 4, Peter and John did not believe the rulers of the people or the elders of Israel should be obeyed above God. In fact, it appears here that the rulers and the elders are the ones endeavoring to hinder the movement of God's word. Peter and John stated that they would speak the truth of God's word regardless of whether the political and religious leaders of the day approved. In Acts chapter 5, we see another example of Peter 
and the apostles confronting the leaders of their day and time. Acts chapter 5 verse 29. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. Today, do we see any rulers of the people endeavoring to hinder the speaking of God's word and the mention of the name of Jesus Christ? Are there men and women today in positions of power within the governments of the world trying to stop the free speech of those who stand for the one true God? Government rulers today in many nations around the world are hindering the freedom to speak God's word. They do not want the truth of God's word to be made known. There are laws in effect today that prohibit the freedom of speech regarding the things of God and his wonderful son, Jesus Christ. Sadly, over the past 50 years, the First Amendment to the Constitution of the United States, it has been twisted at times to prohibit speaking the truth of God's Word. If only men and women today that profess to be Christian could be as bold as Peter and John and the other apostles. There are some, but there surely is a need for many more. Today's accepted teaching that the higher powers of Romans 13 is the government of the nation within which God's people reside is a gross error. Is it possible that a corrupt or evil government would use the error promulgated in Romans 13 against the Christian believer? Could a government say that they must be obeyed because they have received their authority from God whom we worship? Well, it's happened before, and it surely could happen again. What a travesty for God's people if that were to take place. This erroneous teaching diminishes the greatness of God and his loving and tender care for his people. Also, we need to contrast Romans chapter 13, verse 1, where it states that the exercised authority or power was given by God with Luke chapter 4, verses 5 through 8. In Luke, we see that the devil has the authority and power in this world. Let's begin in Luke chapter 4, verse 5. And the devil, taking him, Jesus, up into a high mountain, showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will, I give it. If thou therefore wilt worship me, all shall be thine. Verse 8, Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. If today the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ places kings and queens and presidents and dictators into their positions of power, then we have a huge problem. In Luke chapter 4, the devil is the one that told Jesus that he could give to Jesus the kingdoms of the world. He told Jesus he could give him all the power and all the glory of those kingdoms. Jesus Christ did not respond, no, you can't. He knew the authority the devil received 
when Adam transgressed the commandment of God in the Garden of Eden? Jesus Christ responded to the devil's temptation the only correct way. It is written. Jesus Christ did not argue with the devil. He responded to the words of the devil with the word of God. He said, For it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, let's read verses 3 through 4 there. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost or perishing, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Here in 2 Corinthians, the devil is called the God of this world. One of the things he does as the God of this world is to blind the minds of them which believe not. The devil is a master of his craft. He counterfeits the truth of God's word. That counterfeit runs parallel to the genuine, and to the unsuspecting it appears to be truth. Those without an accurate knowledge of the Bible are deceived. Jesus Christ... He was not deceived when the devil tempted him. The day is coming when the God of this world will be dethroned from his position. Legally and spiritually, he was defeated by the accomplished work of Jesus Christ. The believer who recognizes and believes the sonship position he has today in Christ is not subject to the authority of the God of this world. Today, the devil still uses the authority given to him by Adam. He uses this power against people and against the church. And he's able to do that when we are not knowledgeable of who we are in Christ. He knows his time is limited. He endeavors to keep people from an accurate knowledge of God's word so they cannot know who God the Father is, so they cannot know who Jesus Christ is. It's a spiritual battle we're in. It's not men against men. It's spiritual. Men are motivated by spirits. And it is the adversary, the devil, who endeavors to keep people from knowing the one true God through the accomplished work of Jesus Christ, God's only begotten Son. The devil does not want people to have a relationship with God as their Heavenly Father. Satan manipulates the minds of people to believe that the one true God is evil, vengeful, and unkind. Satan controls and marshals the governments of this world to his liking. He sets the dictators in power, and he sees to it that his men and women are elevated in the eyes of people. The devil makes his people to hinder the move of God's word and to prohibit the use of the name of Jesus Christ. There's tremendous power in that name of Jesus Christ. That is the only name with which men and women are saved from perishing. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other. Now, it is not to say that everybody that is in a position of government leadership is there because of the devil's pleasure. No, that's not what I'm saying. There are some good people with a heart to serve in those positions. There are some in positions of political power that do believe God. Also, because of the accomplished work of Jesus Christ, 
a man or a woman with the Spirit of God within them could rise to great governmental leadership and power. There's tremendous examples of that in the Old Testament. Look at Joseph. Look at Daniel. Their position of leadership would be because of their believing and trusting God and the use of their ability which was given to them by God. Whenever a man or a woman believes God, they are able to defeat and overcome the powers of darkness. They are a shining light. They stand in love on the integrity and accuracy of God's word. They are not swayed by the praise of men, nor are they fearful or intimidated by men. What Jesus Christ regained for mankind in his accomplished work is far greater than what Adam forfeited to the devil. In light of that, a man that knows his position in Christ as a son of God can do great exploits. The authority the devil has pales in comparison to the authority available to men and women through Christ. In light of Luke chapter 4 verses 5 through 8 and 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verses 3 and 4 which we previously read, it is evident that the devil is the one who directs much of the affairs of this world. In Ephesians, we see the devil referred to as the prince of the power of the air. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, And you hath he quickened, made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works, in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation or our behavior in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and we were, were by nature, the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he hath loved us, even when we were dead in sins, he has quickened us or made us alive together with Christ. By grace we are saved. We as God's children no longer need to be held by the adversary. We at one time lived according to the thought patterns of the world, influenced and organized by Satan. Previously we were caught in the lying snares of the adversary, but nothing can stop the mercy of God. Nothing can hinder the love of God. Nothing can thwart the grace of God. God, who is rich in mercy, and because of his great love, saved us by his grace. And it's all through the accomplished work of Jesus Christ. Of course, the enemy is going to do all he can to hinder the use of the name of Jesus Christ, and to prohibit prayer to the one true God. So who are the higher powers of Romans 13? Romans 13 is in the context of the practical application of God's word. Chapter 12 begins with the great truth of the believer living with the love of God and the renewed mind in manifestation. Let's read Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We are not to be conformed or fashioned according to this world. We are not to be molded in our thinking and behavior 
by the standards of this world. In contrast, we are to be transformed. Transformed literally means to be changed into another form. We are transformed by the renewing of our mind. As we put on the mind of Christ, the thoughts of God, by thinking His Word, we are changed. The Word of God in the heart of a man or a woman, along with the working of Holy Spirit, that is what transforms the individual. The renewing of the mind is to think God's Word and then to live accordingly so that we can prove in our own lives what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. As we put on the mind of Christ by thinking the thoughts of God's Word, we are changed. Then we are no longer molded by the world. When we renew our mind by thinking the Word of God and acting on that Word, we live what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It is the Word of God within the heart of an individual and the Spirit of the living God that is which performs the transformation. The world, well, it will try to mold the believer's life by the words that it sends forth. Those words come from the entertainment industry to a huge degree, songs on the radio, MP3s, the television shows, the movies, the worldly magazines and websites, the news of the day with the talking heads giving us error heaped upon error, and the politicians manipulating words to deceive. How much of that is biblically accurate and leading men and women to a true knowledge of God? Not much. Previously, we saw the record with Peter and John. It was not only the rulers of the people that were endeavoring to hinder the move of God's word, it was also the religious elders of Israel. From whom did Jesus Christ receive the most vehement opposition to his life and ministry? The religious leaders of that day. Unfortunately, today much of the so-called Christian church has been deceived into believing truths about God and spiritual matters that directly contradict the Bible. One of those contradictions is the subject we're handling today is that the higher powers of Romans 13 are the government and that we are to obey men above God. Are the rulers of this world proving what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? You may be hard-pressed to find such a government ruler. In fact, please, if you find one, let me know. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27. Now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. And God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues, Verse 29, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, have all the gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret? It started out in verse 27, now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. Each of us is a member in particular. We all have a very specific, unique function within the body of Christ. Verse 28 goes on to state, 
that God has set some. Who did the setting? God. God has set some in the church. Where did God do the setting? In the church. In the church is not within the political systems of the governments of the world. It's in the church. When we read what is written, we will eliminate a lot of the confusion that exists within the Christian church today. God has set some in the church. The English Standard Version translates the beginning of verse 28 as, and God has appointed in the church. The word set in the Greek-English lexicon means to assign someone to a particular task, function, or role. Within the church, the individual members are appointed by God to various functions. Verse 28 initially lists three of the five gift ministries, apostles, prophets, and teachers. After those three specific functions is a listing of some of the manifestations of Holy Spirit which are available for every child of God to operate. Those manifestations are miracles, gifts of healing, and diversities of tongues. Listed between the three manifestations are helps and governments. One of the key things here to recognize is that it is God who has set or appointed. In the context of who are the higher powers of Romans 13.1, it says, The powers that be are ordained or appointed of God. The higher powers spoken of in Romans 13 are not voted upon by the people or put into power by a military coup. The higher powers do not appoint themselves to their position of authority. It says that the powers are ordained or appointed by God. With an understanding of this small portion of Scripture regarding God's setting or appointing of the higher powers within the church, we eliminate the possibility of the higher powers being the civil governments of the nations of the world today. The political governments of the nations of the world today are either honestly elected by the people or they have elections manipulated by those who are dishonest or they appoint themselves to power in their dictatorship, none of which is an appointment by God. It tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28, who it is that God sets or appoints, and it's within the church. First apostles, secondarily prophets, and third teachers. The helps and governments referred to would be other services within the church. Governments is defined as guidance, administration, similar to the piloting of a ship. That's in the Dictionary of Biblical Languages. It means to steer, to direct, or to rule. It is referring to administrators of church government, not civil government. The context is the key. It's in the church. That's where these helps and governments have been set or appointed. If we look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8, Wherefore he said, When he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts unto men. Verse 11, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. 
Verse 8 states that when Jesus Christ ascended to his Father's right hand, he led captivity captive, that which captivates mankind, and he gave gifts unto men. The second half of verse 8 is where our emphasis is to be today, and he gave gifts unto men. The word gifts here is a most interesting word in the sense that it's a gift which is to benefit others. He gave gifts that would be a benefit unto men. What men? Literally, a benefit to the church, which is the body of Christ. Let's look at verse 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. The gifts that Jesus Christ gave unto the church are the five gift ministries. When an individual has a gift ministry of either an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, or a teacher, their life is a gift to the church. They are called to the highest level of service. They are required to have a committed heart to the one true God. The gift ministry received is not a gift to the individual that receives the ministry. The greatness of the gift is that the ministry is a gift to the church. The life of that individual is a gift to the church by way of their service, number one, to God and to the church. It's a gift of persons to the church, not gifts to persons in the church. And what is the purpose of the gifts given to the church? Verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. That is the purpose of these gift ministries to the church, for the perfecting of the saints. Not only do the five gift ministries do the work of the ministry, they are to equip or perfect the saints with a view to the saints' work within the ministry. The apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers in their operation of their ministry to and for the church mend the divisions within the body of Christ that are caused by carnal thinking and a wrong dividing of the word of God. They further help the saints to be sufficient in their renewed mind to carry out their function within the body of Christ. The apostles prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, they are the higher powers of Romans 13. They are the ordained of God. They minister to the body of Christ for good. It's also important to note that one receives a gift ministry from God. One does not receive a gift ministry by attending a theological school or a seminary. Ordination comes from God. God looks on the heart. God does not consider one's religious degree or one's affiliation or standing in the sight of men as a qualification for ordination. Let's go back to Romans chapter 13, verse 1. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Within the church, all exercised authority comes from God. It is ordained or appointed by God. God places the members within the church, the body of Christ, as it has pleased him. 
The higher powers here in Romans 13.1 cannot refer to the civil governments of men. The higher powers within the church are the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. And it could also include the helps and governments that God has set in the church. Is it possible that a corrupt or evil government would use Romans 13 against the Christian believer? Could a government leader say he must be obeyed because he has received his authority from God? It has happened before. It could happen again. What a travesty for God's people if that were to take place. Bernard Rust, he was the Minister of Science, Education, and National Culture in Nazi Germany. In one of his speeches to a mass meeting of German Christians... On June 29, 1933, he said, and I quote, If anyone can lay claim to God's help, then it is Hitler. End quote. It's been stated that Hitler's favorite Bible verse was Romans chapter 13, verse 1. How disheartening to believe that Hitler, or any evil and corrupt government leader, has received his ruling authority from God. This erroneous teaching diminishes the greatness of God and his loving, tender care for his people. This erroneous teaching has caused people to die, and in the future it will do the same. No government or civil authorities of any nation are the higher powers of Romans 13. God has set within the church the higher powers as it has pleased him. The higher powers operate spiritual abilities which are governed by the authority and direction given by the Father through his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. The higher powers are men and women within the church that have been appointed by God. They are to minister for God to the church as they are directed by the Spirit. Let you and I always obey God rather than men. As for me and my house, we will obey God. If you would like to delve further into this topic, I have a book called Higher Powers Discover Their True Identity. It goes into much more detail than what we've covered today. It can be purchased on Amazon Kindle or from the website www.higher-powers.com. That website again, www.higher-powers.com. I will include on our website links to both of those locations. When you order the book, I will include a CD of today's program. Let's hear from a couple of our sponsors. John's Handyman Service has been serving the Naperville and Aurora area for over 10 years. John is a retired U.S. Army veteran who knows how important it is to be on time every time. John's Handyman Service provides all your home repair needs, including carpentry, painting, electrical, plumbing, decks, finished basements, and kitchen and bathroom remodels. No job is too big or too small for John's Handyman Service. Call John at 630-392-4970. That's 630-392-4970.
Since 1894, Ameriprise Financial has worked for their clients' futures, helping millions of Americans retire on their terms. As an Ameriprise Financial Advisor, Mark Yackey is ready to help you put a confident retirement more within reach. Discover the one-to-one -one relationship you deserve. Call Mark Yackey, Certified Financial Planner, today at 630-955-1400. Office is located at 2323 Naperville Road, Suite 150, Naperville, Illinois. Ameriprise Financial Services Incorporated, member FINRA and SIPC. This week we have a testimony that was called in by Carol to our praise line. And that number for the praise line is 844-705-3410. Let's listen to Carol's testimony. Hi, my name is Carol and I have a testimony about how God healed me. This all started about five months ago when I developed a rash on my chest and my face. Um, after trying to contact a dermatologist and not being able to get an appointment, it had gotten so bad over the weekend, itchy and painful, that I went to an urgent care. They thought it was an allergic reaction, gave me some steroids and itch medicine, and got a little better, but then after I went off the medicine, it got worse again. And so I went through this on and off, on and off with the rash coming back and each time progressively getting worse. Over the course of about three months, I went to urgent care twice. I went to the hospital emergency room twice. I contacted a dermatologist and an allergist and nobody seemed to know what to do other than to give me medicine. So finally, my primary care doctor did some blood work and I tested positive for an autoimmune disease, possibly lupus. Well, the doctor wanted me to consult a rheumatologist, but because of a shortage of rheumatologists in the city where I live, I had to wait two months for an appointment. In the meantime, I decided to keep claiming Isaiah 54:17. No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, thus saith the Lord. So I personalize this verse that even though there may be something forming against me in my body, it was not going to prosper, and any tongue that spoke against me and said any kind of diagnosis, I was going to condemn because my righteousness is of God. So I went to the dermatologist, and they did a skin biopsy. The first one came back positive for autoimmune. The second one, which was taken at the exact same time, came back negative. Interesting. So I finally got to the rheumatologist and they thought that instead of lupus I might have something called Sjogren's syndrome. Anyway, they took blood and urine samples. This was a Friday and they told me they would have results by Monday, possibly Tuesday the latest. Well, I didn't hear from them until Wednesday, very late in the day, when the rheumatologist himself called me and he said, we've been running these tests over and over again. We can't understand it, but everything is negative. You do not have any autoimmune disease whatsoever. So praise God, he has healed me, and all I can do is thank him and share his wonderful goodness with everyone that I know. God bless you.
Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Be acceptable in your sight. For mobile app development for your business or organization, look no further than Wasatch Technology, developing mobile apps for both the iPhone and Android platform. Among our accomplishments, the Sedona Hiking app has made hiking the many Sedona trails exciting and fun. The Aramaic New Testament app allows the New Testament to come alive. The Grace Christian Fellowship app gives audio access to teachings. And coming soon, the Cayman Snorkel app. Call Wasatch Technology at 630-448-0261 or visit our website, wasatchtech.com. Honesty, loyalty, respect. These are words not applied to all mortgage and financial companies, but with Integrity Mortgage and Financial Incorporated, the name says it all. Integrity Mortgage prides themselves in maintaining an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. If you're interested in working with a company with integrity, call Neil Bodie for more information at 866-816-9810. That's 866-816-9810. Integrity Mortgage and Financial, for your mortgage and financial needs. Thank you for joining us today on the Solution Radio Show. If you would like to delve further into the topic that we covered today of obeying God or men, I have a book, as I mentioned earlier, called Higher Powers, Discover Their True Identity. It can be purchased on Amazon Kindle or paperback from the website www.higher-powers.com. I will also include on our website links to both of those locations, And when you order the book, I will include a CD of today's program. All of the Solution Radio shows are archived at thesolutionradioshow.com, where you may re-listen at your convenience. There's also links to the websites of our guests, musicians, and sponsors. 
A reminder that the Praise Line, that is open 24 hours a day where you may call in and give a testimony of God's working and deliverance in your heart and life. The number is 844-705-3410. We will continue to play some of those testimonies in upcoming shows. If you have any questions or comments, please email info at thesolutionradioshow.com. Thank you for continuing to keep in your prayers the expansion of The Solution Radio Show. The Solution Radio Show is listener-supported, both by your prayers and your financial giving. Thank you for your support. It is greatly appreciated. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 9002, Naperville, Illinois, 60567. There is also a donation link available on our website. Thank you to our sponsors, the Carter Group with offices in Chicago, Dallas, and Minneapolis, Integrity Mortgage and Financial in Colorado Springs, Colorado, John's Handyman Service in the Aurora, Naperville area, Ameriprise Financial in Naperville, Wasatch Technology in Naperville, and Morningstar Computer Training and Consulting in the Aurora, Naperville area. Please visit the sponsors page on our website to find out more information about our sponsors. Have an awesome rest of your day. God bless you. You are God's very best.